0: It's like take the limits off. And I think the Holy Ghost wants to say that for all of us to take the limits off. We limit God in so many ways. And sometimes aren't even conscious that we're limiting God. Sometimes we limit Him to a time frame. We'll say, well, someday this is going to happen. And we're limiting Him. Or sometimes we even have it in our mind that maybe in a couple of years God would give me a house. That is a limitation. Take that limit off or say well could never afford a house more than this much and I'm using house for an example I mean we could use it on anything take that limitation off you understand I'm not saying go out and write checks for things you don't have but I'm just saying don't limit God because there's ways for God to do things that we hadn't even thought of he just has wonderful ways of doing things and if we look at our bank account here's a limitation but if we think about how big God is acting in faith Staying in faith. That's the bottom line is faith. The bottom line is faith. It's just believing. Believing that God is big. Believing that God can do exceedingly abundantly above all that you could ask or think. Believing that God, you are so big. Man, I'm not even thinking about these circumstances because you're big. I'm not thinking about how you could sell my house because you're big. You can't even think about those things because right there you've undermined your own faith. What we've been talking about is you getting a promotion from the Lord. You getting advanced. You being promoted. And whatever that means to you, that doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be moved up and you're going to be the boss at your job. But I'm saying, why not? Let's don't put a limitation there. Promotion in whatever sense, financially, promotion emotionally, promotion in our relationships. You know, sometimes promotion is finding your husband, finding that man, finding that woman. That could be promotion. Promotion's not getting rid of one. I just wanted to clarify that some of you got it warped if I could get rid of one I could be promoted No, no 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 so promotion whatever that area is according to Matthew chapter 25 in Matthew 25 he says basically if you are faithful over little God will make you master or ruler over much faithful over little and what does it mean to be faithful over little and really the nitty gritty details of being faithful So that we don't just say, oh yeah, I probably am, and then miss our promotion because we're missing some sort of area of faithfulness. We went through a stewardship checkup of the Word of God, and are we really tithing, and are we praying, and are we praising, and do we have a place to serve? A lot of the body of Christ is just not put their hand to anything. And you have to have a stewardship, something that God can say, I see that, and I see you've been faithful. Amen. And so we need a place to serve. And then we talked about being faithful to our man of God, our pastor. It could be a woman. The person, the pastor that God has put you with. And never think anything different, but God puts you in a church. You don't have the option of saying, I like this better or I like that better. God plants you in a church. Corinthians, it says that he sets us in the body as he pleases And He puts us, and where He puts us, we will grow, and we will flourish. Amen? Now, that doesn't mean that we always love and like everything that happens in the place that He plants us. Man, I don't love and like everything that happens in this church, but we all are using our faith to increase and to grow and for things to change. Sometimes you have to start where you're at. Sometimes we're working within limitations. Also, we're dealing with a human factor. I'm human, pastor's human, and all of the other leaders and members of this church are human. You cannot cast out humanness. There's a scripture in Proverbs that says that the only clean stall is an empty stall. The only perfect church is one with absolutely no members. But the minute you've got two members, you've got an imperfect church saying all this because there are people all over Tuscaloosa looking for the perfect church and they don't go anywhere because they're looking for the perfect church and there is not one in the whole city if they are in Tuscaloosa then God has a church assigned to them that they are assigned to a specific church and it's not going to wash when they stand before the father and they say well you know I just couldn't find a church it's not going to wash there's a place for them to go and be fed and to grow and there's a place for them to be a blessing But there is no perfect church. You need to get that out of your mind. Because you'll be walking around in this state of disillusionment all the time. I've just found such joy in the church, even in spite of the humans that are in it. What it is, is if we get our focus on the wrong thing. If we start all looking at each other, if you look for something, you can find something wrong with everybody in this room. Every one of us have weaknesses. Every one of us have strengths. Every one of us. And if you look closely, you can find them. But the thing is, we're not even supposed to be looking. We're supposed to be having our eyes on Jesus. We're supposed to be having our eyes on the Word of God. And then the Word changes people. What you see today that you don't like, well, just be patient. Give me a little while in the Word and it'll change. And you'll change. You'll change. One of the things is dealing with your past. Has your past been dealt with? That's something that we need to check up on because it's real easy not to get your promotion because you've never dealt with your past. I see people ministering to people wrong. When you're talking to a sinner, I'm talking to about somebody that does not know Jesus, has never received Jesus as their Savior. There is only one way to deal with their past, and that is they must be born again. John 3, 7, Jesus said to Nicodemus, Ye must be born again. And sometimes Christians approach sinners and tell them things like, You ought to get rid of them cigarettes. And you ought to quit that drinking. And you ought to do this or you ought to do that. And we're working on the wrong thing. We shouldn't even be surprised that sinners sin. It just comes natural. Their father is the devil. Our father used to be the devil. It was the most natural thing in the world. It's all we could do. Amen? Amen. And so we shouldn't be surprised. And sometimes I have ministered to women whose husbands weren't saved or I've ministered to people who had family members that weren't saved and it was just like, I can't believe they act like that. Well, why can't you believe it if they're lost? It shouldn't surprise us. And so there's only one way to deal with a sinner's past and they must be born again. 1 Corinthians 5.17 says that when you've been born again, then you're made a new creature in Christ. And when you are ministering to sinners, family, they don't have to repent of their sins. And a lot of times you hear ministers or you hear people ministering salvation to people saying, you need to repent of your sins. But they don't need to repent of their sins. And besides all that, how could they? How could they ever remember all of them? It's their whole life. Sometimes 20, 30, 60, 70 years of sin. How could you remember? They need to acknowledge they are a sinner and they need Jesus. They need to acknowledge, I'm a sinner, I need Jesus, and I believe. According to Romans 10 verses 9 and 10, I believe. I believe that Christ died for my sins. He died and He arose. Then their past is dealt with. And I want to give you some advice. Can you remember when you were born again? Maybe not the exact date, but the approximately. You got that in your mind? Let me tell you one good way to deal with your past is to draw a line right there and don't ever step behind it. Don't ever let the devil make you step behind that line. Whatever you did before you were born again, I don't care what it was, don't step behind that line. Draw a line right there. For me, it was 1964, 10 years old. Born again, gonna draw a line. And you say, well, Debbie, you surely hadn't done anything. Well, there were things already that had been inflicted upon me at 10 years old that are really what you could call my past. But, you know, I was just aware today, God wants us to draw a line. And for some of you that were born again like at 40 or 35 or 25, it's real important that you draw a line and you don't go behind that line anymore. I was tipped generic to balance his bank statement the other day. And when we balance, we draw two lines in our check register and write balanced on 1st and 15th, balanced. And we balanced. Then in the next month, when those checks come in that were outstanding, you check them off of your bank statement. You never go up by past that line. When you draw those two lines, you never go up past that and check off checks. You don't ever go up past that line. Well, that's the way when you get saved. Don't ever go up past that line and don't let Satan cause you to go up there and think, well, you know, this happened to me when I was a child. And that happened to me when I was a child. And if you'll just draw those lines there, you can just deal with a whole bunch of crud just real quick. Amen? And then, if you're a Christian, we need to deal with our past in a different way. 1 John 1, 9. When we sin, it tells us exactly what to do. And it says that if we will confess our sin, that He is faithful and just to forgive us of that skin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He forgives us and He cleanses us from all unrighteousness. And it's so important, but you'd be surprised how many people don't repent when they sin. Oh, I mean, if they do something major, huge, big, like commit adultery or something, yeah, maybe they repent or something like that. But I minister to people through the last years that we've been in the ministry all the time where they'll say to me, Well, I know I missed it back then when God was leading me to do so and so, and I didn't do it. And I'll say, Have you repented of that? "Uh, Well, no, I never thought of that. Family. Every time you miss it, every time you don't walk in love, every time you don't react in faith, confess your sin. And He is faithful and just to cleanse you of your sin. See, a lot of times we walk around and man, we're heavy and we don't know why we're heavy and we're not free and we don't know why. And we're just carrying around a big old sack of stuff that we've never repented of. I'm telling you, we need to repent. We need to say, Father, I see that. I missed that. I didn't do that. I'm sorry. I ask you to forgive me. I see there you were leading me to do it. I see there you spoke to me to give to her, and I didn't do it. I see it now, Lord. I was not clear on it then, but I see it. I ask you to forgive me. Lord, I just heard myself. That was wrong. That was not faith. I shouldn't have confessed that. I repent. Lord, forgive me of that keeping those lines of communication with our Father open, and just keeping ourselves free, keeping ourselves unencumbered. See, a lot of times we're not getting promoted. Well, for one thing, we're carrying around such a heavy load of stuff. And plus, we've not pleased our Father. The thing is, if you didn't know it was sin, God's not holding you accountable for it. But if you knew it was sin, but you just never got around to repenting, He is holding you accountable for it. We learned in Christian school, we would discipline kids. We would go through a process. We would tell them what they did wrong and we would make them repent. I learned a long time ago with my kids that I couldn't just say, go to your room and repent of that. It's like, did they go to their room and repent? No, they didn't. you got to help your kids repent. That's what I'm making. Family, when your kids make a mistake, they need to get clean. If they're saved... And they've already received Jesus Christ as their Savior, and they're already new creations in Christ. Family, you need to help them go through repentance and help them repent of their sins. You need to lead them through it. You need to say, now you pray this with me. Dear Father, I sinned when I talked back to Mama here. And I ask you to forgive me, dear Lord. They'll just pray right after you. And then in the school, what we would do is we'd tell them, God forgives you. And we forgive you too. And then we would paddle them. I think we paddled them first, and then we had them repent, actually. We got got that backwards. We would tell them what they did wrong. We'd give them two swats. Then we'd have them repent. And we'd tell them God forgave them. We'd tell them we forgave them. And after we paddled, we always loved them. And it was so funny because some of them came to the office so many times and went through the discipline thing so many times because discipline was very intensive in Christian school. I mean, you had to repent for things that you wouldn't have to repent for at public school, let me tell you it was like they learned the routine and we'd tell them what they did wrong and then we'd paddle them and they'd cry and then they would pray the prayer and repent and when it got to the part where they knew they were going to get the love they just fell over on you we want that hug we want that love that's how we are to be and we need to help our kids not carry around a load if your kids just acting bad a lot and they're in one of those things that they're acting bad and boy they're having a day a lot of times that's what it is A lot of times they need to be paddled. They need an opportunity to repent. Because when you're carrying around sin, there's something about it. It'll make you bad. It'll make you gripey and cantankerous and act bad. So help your kids repent and you stay repented up. And you say, well, Debbie, I'll just be repenting all the time. Well, it's not as big a deal. It's not a falling over the altar, slobbering and crying and wailing and oh God of sinned and you know and even some churches make you get up in front of the church and confess it it's really not that big a deal this is a relationship and I'm not trying to make light of repentance here I'm really not but if you bump into somebody in the mall and you fall down on your knees and you squall and you bawl and our father there's a closeness to him that we don't have to make a big deal about it we can just say oh dear father I'm sorry I just caught that And it's not like this major thing. It's just staying clean. Praise God, and staying in relationship, and staying free that way. And then, when we've really messed up, and sometimes when I said the wrong thing, and we repent, and then a lot of times I get up from repenting, and for some reason I still feel guilty. I still have a sense of guilt about me. And I've had to learn to realize that that is the devil. It is not my Father God. Once you've repented, there's no need to repent again. In fact, it's unbelief for you to repent again because your feelings aren't lining up. And so I have learned to say to the devil, Satan, according to Romans 8, 1, there is therefore now no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. And run his little fanny off. Because He wants you to walk under a sense of condemnation. And the reason He does is because it affects your faith. I mean, you'll go to pray and ask God for something, and that feeling of condemnation will limit you. You don't feel like asking God for a new house when you feel like you failed Him. In a lot of places, a lot of churches focus on our shortcomings and our weaknesses. And family, God doesn't want you focused on your shortcomings and on your weaknesses. He wants you focused on who you are in Christ. Amen. And we got to get this right. We got to get this righteousness thing right. I don't care if you are Charles Manson. Mass murder. If you are him, and I know, see, you've got to renew your mind to this because some of you just, like, freaked out right then. It's like, oh, my God. But if he gets saved, family, he is just as righteous as Jesus Christ. There is no condemnation for him. And I'm telling you, that's not how the world thinks. They say, you scum, I want you to suffer. And I saw a lady on the TV the other night and somebody had murdered her daughter or something. I want you to hurt. I hate those signs on churches that say things like, what can the Super Bowl give you that God can't? Well, it's a no-brainer. Of course, the Super Bowl can't give you anything God can't. I mean, you know, it doesn't even come close. But all it's intended for is to condemn you if you're watching the Super Bowl instead of going to church. And it makes me mad. I'll just tell you right now. If you want to watch the Super Bowl Sunday night, stay home and watch it. We're having church because I'd be... (laughs) Praise God. And there is no condemnation. There is no condemnation. Stay home and watch the Super Bowl. There's no condemnation in this church. Now, however, we are having church because if you made me stay home and watch the Super Bowl, I would rather be nibbled to death by little ducks. I would be bored to the bone. So we are having church. And if any of you agree and say, man, I'd rather go to church, come ahead. But it means something to some people. I don't know why. And I want you to hate condemnation. And I'm not saying that I don't ever condemn anybody. Sometimes, you know, we slip back in that and we do condemn people. But I tell you what, I'm outgrowing it. Because it's the world's way. It's the religion's way. Jesus said, I didn't come to condemn the world. And condemning the world doesn't make the world want Jesus. I tell you, nobody wants to go to that church Sunday night just because they put on their sign something about, you know, they put the Super Bowl down. I tell you, if you had tickets, I'd go. It's probably an extravaganza. Same token, no matter what you did, no matter what you did, even after you were a Christian, hey, if you weren't a Christian, draw the line. But if you were a Christian and you did it, there is no condemnation. You're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. didn't read the Bible this week, no condemnation. Boy, I tell you now, religion, if things are scratching on the chalkboard for you right now, all that is is religion. Because religion wants to put us under a set of laws, a set of legalism. And I feel it sometimes. On the day you slept late, you overslept, you jump up, you didn't have time to pray, you didn't even have time to touch the Word of God, and then all of a sudden you feel yourself getting a sore throat. You know what wants to happen? You don't really even have faith to believe for it because that condemnation wants to hit you. Right? Right? In fact, have you ever had a day when you tried to pray, but you just didn't get anything done? You didn't get there? Something just wasn't flowing, you know? It's like a, nearly a little sense of dread. I have felt it before. Like, oh God, I hope nothing that I have to use my faith on comes up today because I feel wretched. I don't feel like the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Well, all of these things have to do with promotion. we got to renew our mind that we're righteous. You know what? You really deserve promotion. Because the blood of Jesus made you righteous. You are a king's kid. Not because of what you did, but because of the blood of Jesus. Okay, religion will say, okay, okay, okay. By the blood we are righteous, but they are always careful to throw that in by the blood. But you know, in the blood of Jesus and in that righteousness, we don't even have to continually remind ourselves all the time that it's not really our righteousness, that really our righteousness is as filthy rags, and that we are really nothing but in the blood we're something. Even that just stirs up a whole new sense of unrighteousness. Family, it's unqualified. It's unqualified that you are righteous. And when you realize this, I tell you what, you won't have any trouble believing for abundance. You won't have any trouble believing for healing. You don't have any trouble. The thing that undermines us is always that sense of unrighteousness. So we need to have things dealt with. We need to forget those things that lie behind. We've got to forget them. We've got to forget those things that lie behind those things that we did wrong, but also we need to forget those things that people did to us. And we've got to forgive. Mark eleven twenty five and 26 says that we have to forgive, that if we don't forgive, God's not going to forgive us. And I want to tell you about forgiveness. It took me a long time to learn this because one time a lady did something really bad to us, really bad. <laughs> the love of God shed abroad in our heart, and in my heart I wanted to forgive And in my heart, I told the Lord, I forgive, and I said I forgive, you know, and I even wrote her a letter and told her I forgave her. But when I would see her, I would have rather seen Saddam Hussein. Ooh, I don't even want to be in the same room with you. My feelings were saying these things. I didn't understand this. But see, family, we forgive by faith. And it don't matter what my feelings are saying. If I forgave, I forgive by faith. So a lot of people think, oh, I must not have forgiven. thought I forgave, but I must not have forgiven because, look, my feelings are going wild right now. See, we forgive by faith. And so it doesn't matter. By faith, I could talk to her. And by faith, I could say, hello, how are you today? And By faith, I could be a blessing when I met her. Sometimes I had to do that. Hello, by faith. But it's okay if it's by faith. It's okay. And you know what happens with anything we do by faith? Eventually, the natural catches up with the spiritual because the by faith is spiritual. And the natural catches up. And eventually, the feelings go. Those negative feelings go. See, it's a process. If you've hurt me, my first feelings is hate, death. But then I forgive you by faith. I forgive you. My feelings aren't lined up with it. The next thing I feel, as my feelings begin to progress, the next thing that happens is I begin to feel nothing. 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 i got to feel nothing before I can feel love. See, I go from hate to nothing, and then all of a sudden the love of God is shed abroad in my heart, and all of a sudden something maybe happens in that person's life. Actually, this woman's husband died. The love of God was shed abroad in my heart. All of a sudden I felt compassion I felt compassion for her I had to forgive by faith and I had to let God bring me to that no feeling stage we deal with those things in our past Hebrews 10 30 let's turn there it says for we know him that hath said vengeance belongeth unto me I will recompense saith the Lord and again the Lord shall judge his people see we read that scripture a lot of times like vengeance belongeth to God he's going to get you but actually what it means is vengeance belongeth to God. I will recompense. I'm going to pay you back. If somebody's hurt you, if you let God and you'll get in faith about it, He will pay you back for how they hurt you. He will pay you back. We're not to be concerned about vengeance. Because see, if we get concerned about vengeance, we're going to get all screwed up in legalism and religion and everything. Because what if they repented? we got to leave the vengeance to Him we got to leave it totally Him and just let Him pay us back. In Isaiah 61 and verse 7, For your shame ye shall have double. For your shame ye shall have double. See, if you'll get in faith about it and if you'll let it go. See, sometimes we're holding on to something. We want God to forgive us of some big sin and we're holding on because our third grade teacher accused us of lying or something. Actually, mine did and we're holding on to some little something, He will give us double for our shame. Where we've been hurt, when we've been wounded, He'll give us double. Here's the point, because we got to deal with our past. God wants you to the place in your past, everything about your past. I don't care if you were sexually abused, raped, molested, mugged, lied against, somebody murdered your mother, stolen from, The worst things you can think of. Everything in your past. God wants you to the place where when you think of those things, there's no pain or shame. Right now, you could think of, I was molested when I was a child and no pain. Nothing in your heart. There's no shame about it. In other words, when you don't feel like, oh God, I don't like to think about that. That's so embarrassing. And if you are not to the point where you have no pain or shame, then you're not through I'm not saying you hadn't started but you're not through letting God wash that and that's a good test right there you should be to the place even if somebody walked up to you and said you know I heard that when you lived in that other town that you did so and so and you might go God I can't believe I did that I hate it but thank God he forgave me and it's just like pain or shame doesn't come up inside of you even if somebody else brings it You hate it, and you wish you hadn't done it. Here's how it feels to me. It's like I can remember some things I did that I'm really not proud of, but it's nearly like it seems like it was somebody else. Even though I was saved when I did it, it seems like it was somebody else. I have recall on it, and I have things that people did to me. It seems like it was somebody else. I remember it, but it's just not a factor. But there's still people carrying around things a lot of times. And it keeps you from promotion. You can't reach out for the future when you're holding on to something back here. And a lot of people want that stuff. They want those memories of that grief even. It's like if I let go of that grief, I'll let go of that person. And so they keep their grief stirred up. You know, they take pictures of their caskets and they take pictures of the flowers at funerals. Y'all can if you want to, but... If you die, your picture comes off our wall. You're gone. I mean, you get in our photograph album. We keep you, but... (laughs) We keep you, but dead people's pictures are not hanging on our walls. If you want to be on display in our house, you better stick around. We're not hanging on to that. If y'all want to remember what they look like in that casket, y'all can. Remember it if you want to, but I don't want to remember that. My grandfather's casket, I mean, I looked at him and all that. And in the top of his casket, it said going home. And I thought, that's a lie. He's already gone. (laughs) Not going home. He died Wednesday. This was Sunday. Going home? Gone. (laughs) One part of the family said, Oh, he looks so good. All the young people said, Oh, he looks so horrible. And I said, The reason he looks so horrible is because he's not there. I mean, it's not him. He's gone. He's gone. If you want to get down to it, it's like looking at an orange peel and saying, oh, that's the most horrible looking orange peel I ever saw. It's gone. It's just the peeling. I'm just telling you this because a lot of people just want to hang on to that old stuff and all those memories. You can have good and fond memories. We have such fond memories of our grandparents, all of our grandparents. You can have all those good fond memories without holding on to any of that grief or all of that stuff. And how they died and how they were killed, going over it and over it and over it in your mind. And family, this is not just death. You can do this with divorce too. Because I know I've been through it with somebody that wanted to go over and over what they said and what they did. And well, you want to hold on to that stuff? You can. But you got a choice. It's going to hold you back from promotion though. If you were fired from a job, you just rehearse all that stuff and even sometimes get hung up on figuring it out. Why? Because I'm a real why person. I want to know why. Well, why did it happen? Well, why did we do this? Why didn't it work out the way we thought it would? Did we make a mistake? Should we have done that? Should we have bought the house? You can really get messed up in that. Even faith ministers. We've had a couple of faith ministers die. Strong men of faith die. You don't even touch it with your mind of Why? It'll mess your faith up if you try to figure out why this faith minister died. Don't even touch it with your mind. It don't matter. God said he'd satisfy you with long life. Don't touch it. Don't touch it with your mind. Don't try to figure it out. If God wants you to know anything about it, he'll tell you. Don't even try to figure out why your grandmother didn't get healed. If she didn't get healed. Don't even try to figure out why. Don't touch it with your mind. Forgetting those things that lie behind and just pressing on to the Word of God. That's how you get promoted. That's how you get promoted. Letting everything go. Just stay in faith. Faith is the answer to everything. Faith is the answer. You know, we were singing a song tonight. I was sitting there singing it. song's right. I mean, it's scriptural and I believe it, that we ought to go to the enemy's camp and take back what he stole from us. But I done did that, done been there, and I'm way past that now. Sure. Yeah. We sing it sometimes just to let new people coming in know you need to take back what the level stole from you. But family, I don't took it back. There's no pain or shame. I've already took it back. I'm so way out there far beyond the devil and what he can do. What he stole from me, he stole a bunch. But I tell you what, I'm believing for so much more than what he stole from me. I'm believing for so much more than he stole from me. I'm telling you, I'm not even thinking about it. But some people are even hung in that. Well, you know the devil, he stole this from us. You know the devil did this to me. We can get really bogged down even in that. Going to go to the enemy's camp and take back what he stole from me. Well, I'm going to tell you something. Go there tonight, take it back, and then go on and get busy. And get out there way far ahead of the devil. If you get out there way far ahead of him, he'll quit stealing from you. Get out there in faith. And start believing for the overflow. God's so much bigger. God's so much bigger. He's bigger than your bank account. I tell you what, I'm not limiting God to my bank account. I'm thanking Him. I can have so much more than my bank account says I can. I can have so much more than my salary says I can. I'm way out there. Woo! Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. No pain or shame. Let's stand up together and I'll tell you how to deal with your past right now. Everybody just look in your heart. And see what hurts. What hurts in your heart? What's hurting your heart right now? Man, that just hurts my heart. Somebody said something today? Somebody called you fat and ugly? Or somebody said, I don't like you today? Or maybe it's more serious than that. Maybe somebody did you wrong? I'm not making light of the fact that people get very, very hurt and some horrible, horrible things. Your husband beat you? Maybe your husband left you, deserted you? Man, I'm not making light of how much, how painful that is. But I want to tell you something. Getting rid of it is a lot simpler than we've made it. Your parents desert you. You were put up for adoption. And a lot of people carry that around. And you know, they fret. And I'm not making light of that. That there are some people that have been, there have been horrible, horrible things done to people. But I tell you what, it's a lot simpler to get free of it than we've made it. And here's what I do. When somebody hurts me, And I'm telling you, it's real easy. A lot of times what people do, it's like it hurts, so cover it up. They don't want to talk about it, and they keep it dark in there. You know, hide it in the dark. But we need to just bring it right out into the light. Anything you bring out into the light, it's going to dissipate. And so what I do is I just say, Dear Father, and maybe I don't even get that religious, and I just say, God, this hurts so bad. And Lord, the Bible says Jesus bore my pain for me. That doesn't mean physical pain. He bore all the emotional pain. And Lord, I just can't bear this and I just ask you to take it right now.